2: It's Bengals Saints week as the Hoot meet the Hoot Welcome into the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back at it again, running the court. And ladies and gentlemen, before we jump in, if you want exclusive insights and bonus content on the Bengals every day from the largest group of journalists covering the team, I got something special for you, and that's called Cincinnati Football Insider. As an insider, you will have access to subscriber-only podcasts, photo galleries, and more. Become a Bengals Insider with multiple texts a day. It's only $4.99 a month if you subscribe, but fret not. You won't be charged until the end of your 14-day trial. Doesn't get better than that. Joining is simpler than you think. Sign up by going to cleveland.com bengals. There you'll click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or better yet, just send a text to 513 949 41 47 so be like the cool kids and sign up and speaking of the cool kids down the block i'm joined by my partners in crime andrew gillis and mike Nislik. and i'd say you guys are pretty cool right have you ever been called cool kids down the block never Never once in my life sorry (laughs) well it makes you feel better you guys are the cool cats on the block. And I'll tell you what, speaking of cool kids down the block, I think Jamar Chase is just as excited as we are to head down to New Orleans for his homecoming. And with that, I think just jumping into it, this is his game. This is where he is primed for a breakout game. He stole the team's leading receiver, but we haven't seen that explosive game yet. But we see that this Sunday. I'm calling it.
1: I'm, I'm curious what Jamar... I mean, obviously the homecoming angle is, is big and, and kind of that, I mean, Joe, Joe today that uh, Joe Burrow, that is, that uh, he had to kind of be his translator for a little bit. Um, so, you know, it, it's obvious, it obviously means a lot for, for guys to do that, but I'm curious the breakout game, how much of that is going to be if T Higgins can't play, um, you know, with, with all due respect to the same secondary, it's not Baltimore secondary. So I, I'm curious what, uh, what just i mean it's simple math is is Jamar going to get way more targets because T's not in the lineup like that is something that you can actually game plan for you know they they kind of figured they'd have T in Baltimore they didn't now they have an entire week to scheme up stuff for Jamar so I'm curious if that's just going to be a natural product of not having one of your you know one of your two best receivers
0: Yeah, I mean, going back and looking at what the Saints have done, uh, you know, Justin, jeff they haven't played very good offenses, uh, you know, so far through five games. I mean, the best comparison, uh, Jefferson um, uh, for Minnesota had 10 catches for 147 yards, and he had a big uh, explosive play uh, target for 41-yard gain. That's the kind of game I think, um, you know, uh, Jamar Chase uh, would like to have. Uh, I mean, it's all dependent on if they can – uh, figure out answers. I don't think it, it really matters about individual players. I think it's more just kind of what the, the defenses are are sort of doing. I mean, the, you know, they said today, basically, uh, Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, like they're expecting uh, cover two, they're expecting safety help, they're expecting uh, double teams on Jamar. And So um, how do you kind of get him free and how do you kind of, um, you know, break those, uh, you know, this too high looks like you know he uh, today Joe said you got to run the ball especially uh, in those uh, scenarios and they just haven't been able to do it this year so I think it's less dependent on sort of um, you know the receivers and more sort of if Joe Mixon can have a big first half I think that leads to a big second half for um, your your playmakers on the outside
2: and I think with that too you know one thing Brian Callahan had said is that. When you give more snaps to Jamar in the slot, that's less for Tyler Boyd, but they still want to get Boyd more opportunities. So I'm curious to see, like, so if T. Higgins either doesn't get as many snaps or isn't cleared for Sunday, which we'll get to later, I mean, is that more for Tyler Boyd? Is is that something he takes advantage of? Like, does he kind of exploit the secondary? Because I think, you know, if they really mean it, mean you know getting him more opportunities, then you know that that could be well for the Bengals, and I think when you talk about that cover too, which you hear it over and over again. But when we talk about that, I mean, I think you know at that point you you have a bread and butter right there with uh, Jamar and Tyler. I think that's something that the Bengals can really take advantage of if they really think they can. Yeah, right, getting, getting on
0: sort of the, the rest of the offense working. I mean, they talked about, you know, in the second half, I mean, they were giving what they, you know, like giving what the defense gave them, and it was uh, quick strikes. It was the, the check down looks to Hayden. It was check down looks to, um, you know, Joe Mixon. And that's dependent on sort of uh, Joe Burrow making his reads and, and kind of doing that. I mean, they can try to scheme up looks to try to get individual guys going. But, I mean, to have sustained, sustained success – I think you just the, the, the fundamentals of the offense need to improve um, it, it's not you know you could you could have a big play here and there I think that way um, by trying to scheme up a look or, or get a guy going but I think the only way to sustain that is to have uh, more consistency on the offense and it's just looked clunky through five games, and I just – I don't know how much you could just say, like, here's five plays, uh, you know, and then you're good. I mean, I I think it's just sustained success running the ball. And, uh, you know, obviously better first halves because they've been, you know, pretty terrible offensively for long stretches in the first half. I mean, it was basically four drives. They had nothing um, against the Ravens. And that's kind of been the case the last, you know, uh, what, uh, four out of the five weeks.
1: Right. Yeah, it, it's been one of those things for, for the Bengals offense where, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum where it's like, okay, like, what do you, what what is the fix here? And I think Mike's exactly right. You need sustained success, but sustained success doesn't always mean sustained drives. And when you talk about, you know, that sustained success, that means hitting on one or two of those deep shots per quarter, hitting on one or two of those deep shots to, that get you a touchdown, that get you into, um, you know that get you into the red zone, whatever the case is. so I, I don't know it like you it can't like he said it can't just be a okay, we're gonna get Tyler Boyd x amount of snaps. we're gonna get jamar x amount of touches and then call it a day and the offense is fixed. like I, I think that there are there are bigger issues here because like what does this offense do well right now that they have done for five games? Can't really think of anything right now. So to me, with, with getting those receivers more involved, it has to be a, a more natural kind of progression. It can't just be a, you know, let's, let's throw Jamar in the backfield. Let's throw Jamar in the slot and just see what in the world happens. Like this has to be a, a situation where you are regularly doing this and it's just kind of, you know, snip, snap. It doesn't have to be those things that just they're in a lab somewhere cooking up a play
0: because I don't even think they have an explosive run this season. So teams are just going to sit back and say like, look, we'll give you a long drive, you know, in the half and, you know, you can eat up eight minutes, but I mean, we're just going to answer. And and the team that the red zone percentage hasn't been good. And so like teams are just playing safe and until they can show um, that's, you know, it's, it's a dangerous thing to do against them. Like you're just going to keep seeing it. I, I don't think the Ravens, um, you know, change their philosophy based on Joe Mixon getting some yards in the second half because they weren't worried about him hitting that explosive play or, or, you know, flipping the field. They just were like, well, if you're going to take those small chunks, we'll be able to answer. And so, it, and the Saints are sort of an offense that can do that as well. They've got all these different weapons. So, I, I think it's 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 going to be hard for them to get teams out of that if they don't, you know, show these things consistently because right now, I mean, Joe Mixon, even at his at his best, um just hasn't you know shown the explosiveness to kind of get you know into that that secondary I mean, he had three uh 10 plus yard runs and that was more than he had all season um uh you know he had two in, in the first four games combined so um, i just think right now it's it's going to be kind of a slog you know and uh you know they're, they're hopeful that they'll kind of break out of it especially with sort of the improvement of the offensive line um but you know it, Teams are giving them the best, and they've they've just struggled to kind of counterpunch, and that's just that's been kind of the story of the whole season.
1: Yeah, I, I think the one explosive run that they've had, if if memories, I I'm only doing this on the top of my head. I think it was the Mixon run against the Steelers in Week One. It was like fourth and one, and Mixon that's right. busted yeah, he like did a, have the one. He yeah. busted and like and a, a, yeah, that's that's, one, that's one of those situations where you've got nine men at the line of scrimmage, and if you break through that first line, there's nobody there, which is kind of what happened. So well, and that was not something I that mean, they could
0: replicate for the future, you know, for, right. Exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. I, and, and, and I'm, I'm I, like, as I think about kind of what this offense needs to do with these receivers specifically, and like with this, with this game plan specifically, it's like, how can you, let, let me phrase it like this. The Ravens that, this past weekend, they were built from a team building standpoint to go on eight minute touchdown drives. That's just who they are. The Bengals can do that. We've seen them do this with their backs against the wall, where they've where they've done this in Dallas uh, when they needed to go tie the game. They've done this in Baltimore when they went and took the lead. Like they can go on these long drives, but I, I just don't know if that's what this
0: team is. I just don't know if that's what this team should be. Because well, it can I can be I mean, when, you, you, think when they... you score in the red zone. I mean, you know, Zach said it. He's basically right, like, you exactly. score that touchdown, it doesn't, everything's fine. We're, we're golden. But I mean, the problem is, is that they've struggled. You know, in the first half, they struggled doing anything. And then in the second half, the red zone struggles popped up. And, you know, they kind of said, well, you know, three of them were isolated as ones where they didn't score touchdowns. But I don't know, three feels like a lot. Three, they didn't score touchdowns at all. Then the rest were field goals. So I think that's, I think that's, seven total times in the red zone where they didn't score touchdowns, seven or eight. And that's a lot in five games, it feels like, especially for a team that shouldn't be lacking for options.
2: And the thing about it, too, like you talk about the red zone, Mike, I know one thing that I think it was either Joe Burrow or Zach Taylor who described it, like they've just seen funky coverages. And, I mean, that's true, but at the same time, like they haven't really done anything about it. And maybe that changes with the Saints. But kind of, you know, there's a point you made about – Uh, having steady drives, like sustained success. How much of a concern is it if Jonah Williams either isn't healthy or is not as healthy Sunday? He said he wants to play. He went back in the game against Baltimore when his kneecap literally moved as he kind of described it. But, I mean, how much of a concern is that? Because, I mean, the offensive line is doing well enough. How much do you lose that momentum if someone like that is not either in the game or on their A game? Because that's a real concern when you have Cameron Jordan lined up on the other side.
0: Yeah, I think it's. A, I think I'd be more concerned about Jonah Williams and T Higgins. I think they right. have an easily plug and play without. I mean, not that you don't lose something with T, but the uh, backups. I mean, they're playing Leo Collins, who's not practicing essentially, and so I mean, like obviously they don't feel comfortable with the backups. The backup that they have listed is Deontay Smith. He's been inactive four of the five weeks for Jonah Williams. So I don't think it'd be him, um, you know, getting that, that spot, you know, he was moving around really bad after the game on Sunday. He looked a lot better on Wednesday. Um, he seems like the guy that is not going to like want to miss any, any snaps. And so I would be hesitant to, and, you know, I think the, the key question was asked today was uh, I don't know if that was you, Andrew, but uh, would he be comfortable playing him without any practice? And Zach said, yes. And so I think that's a big deal because, I mean, I don't know that he'll practice this week. And if they're good with him playing, I I mean, I think there's a possibility, but that would be the injury that I'd be more concerned about just because they don't have confidence in the backups. I don't think at this point.
1: No. And, and, on that point, like you mentioned, like this isn't one of the like you said, the backups, I I think you need to look at it on the wide receiver backups too, because I guess, quote unquote, the wide receiver backup is Tyler Boyd. So like if Tyler Boyd is going to get, T. Higgins reps and like you can you can make that work with Hayden Hurst with Joe Mixon. There are various things that you can do. Now, Jamar's been you know talking about how frustrating it's been being double teamed. If T. Higgins is in the lineup, Jamar just he might as well get used to it that that's going to happen for another week. <laughs> um, but it, I just yeah like like uh, like Mike was saying, if you don't have both of your tackles play. Or excuse me, practice, and then you're going to try and rely on them for a game with not at 100. That that's terrifying. Um, that's scary. Not, like the offensive line has improved. The offensive line has improved since week one. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it, it is not something that you it, you cannot make your hay living off of, like uh, living off like that.
0: And I think uh, Hakeem, uh, what is it, Ad- Adinajay? Yeah. I never, I'm terrible pronunciation.
1: Hakeem Adinajay.
0: G. That's correct. Uh, would probably be in line uh, for the start. He's listed at the backup at right, uh, right tackle, but um, they've been making the guys that they have like kind of less confidence in in recent weeks. Uh, Jackson, Carmen, and Deontay Smith inactive. So I think Keem would likely get the start. Uh, he has what like nine career starts in his uh, career. Nine career starts. I think he started like seven games last year, including uh, the Super so Bowl. Yeah. He'd be in line for the start there. Um, But, and then, you know, you think about what happens if there's another injury, you know, God forbid Collins goes down in that game, then you're in really big trouble. You know, you probably have to keep Smith active at this point just for insurance. But I mean, you know, once you get thin at a spot, it can be scary. And, you know, the offensive line wasn't a place. They're particularly deep right now. They're sort of top heavy with where they spent um, and kind of developing the rest of the guys.
2: No, absolutely. And the good thing with Adenogy is, like you said, he has nine career starts. I think he was one of the better graded tackles from an otherwise abysmal offensive line last year. He was one of the few bright spots, even though he's a backup now. But he started in the Super Bowl. He started in the playoffs last year during that run. So it's not the worst thing in the world. But again, Jonah Williams is a starter for a reason. He's the only starter from last year to be starting the season. And again, like when you have a D line that has Cameron Jordan, That is terrifying. And it's not like the defenses they're gonna face on the front are gonna get any easier. Even with this so called little easy stretch that they got coming up, I mean, that is absolutely terrifying. I mean, have you guys it's kind of gone viral on social media. There's a clip of Joe Burrow like kind of being startled when someone coughed in the media room, which I think was me, by the way. I I think that was me, I'm not sure. Because I did cough, I don't know if it was was in that moment.
1: I, I could have sworn well, that was
2: Ben. It it might have been Ben Baby, but like I also coughed that day. I just don't remember if it was exactly in the moment where Joe Burrow flinched. But I mean, if you think about it, why do you think he flinched at a simple cough? I mean, he's probably got TJ Watt and Danico Autry in his nightmares. Like he's probably he was probably waiting for them to like run after him. I mean right. he's already been be through a lot. COVID. Well, I have my yeah. booster, so I'm good. Mike, I'd say that word.
1: I don't ever want to hear that word ever again. Oh, speaking no,
0: of When, I, when, I, when I'm at an airport and somebody coughs, I make, a, I, make I, get, I move and get scared. I make that face. I jump. I, I move away. <laughs> yeah, like, well, here's the thing. Okay,
1: sidebar on this. Um, when, like, the thing that I, the, the, the silver lining to COVID was that people got way, way, way more conscious about not being disgusting in public. Like if you had to cough, people coughed into their arm, or they went away, or they went to a corner, or something. Everybody was very, very good about it. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. That that was. I, I just I had to get off that, that that off my chest because if I'm at the airport and like and I need to cough, I get away from everybody now because I'm conscientious about that stuff. So I'm I'm glad that people at least took it seriously. At least some people. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that that's a fair point. I mean, I'm not I don't ever want to hear COVID again. I'm so, I like, I I just have these visions of like Zoom <laughs> interviews and Zoom press conferences where you yes, like have to stop coughing
0: in the press conferences. That's right. Exactly. Keep, like yeah. should to
1: watch should, it. Yeah, um, be yeah. Okay, guys. Just, I, I, Muhammad, yeah, Muhammad's, the the, Muhammad's the reason we're going to having the, Muhammad's the reason we're going to have to be like hitting the raise hand function to ask Joe Burrow a question here in the next few weeks.
2: All right, guys, I'm You're sorry, together, and I apologize man. in advance. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, the, the point is, I mean, speaking of just being haunted, like whether it's COVID or TJ Watt or Danico Autry, I don't think Joe Burrow wants to be haunted by any more nightmares than what he's had in the short three years, but otherwise eventful years he's had in his career. But with that, though, since we're talking about Burrow and we're talking about the play calling, you know, he said that when someone asked him about, you know, how much do you address the blame on Zach Taylor, which we already talked about. But to Burrow's answer, he said, it's up to play callers to make the play call work. But, I mean, is it really the play callers not making the play call work? Or is it really more so the fault on Zach Taylor and the fault on Brian Callahan? Like, I guess pretty much, how do you grade the play calling? And then at some point, if you're Zach Taylor, when do you just take over and say, all right, I'm calling the shots? Or on the flip side, when do you just pretty much – let Brian Callahan take the reins? Because to me, it just seems like there's got to be a fine line.
1: Mike, you go, because I have to rant about this. So, Mike, please go Ooh, first. okay, okay. Uh,
0: I, I, no, I mean, I think Joe Burrow is making the, you know, politician answer. I mean, they're never going to, you know, the players are never going to blame the coaches, and the coaches, at least the good ones, you know, unlike Juan Rivera the other day, not going to throw <laughs> a into the box. No, but I mean, it's serious. It, you, you, don't, you lose a locker room that way, and, and you know, you, you kind of, uh, everything snowballs. And this team's done a really good job of that uh, this year. Whereas I think the offensive ha- offense has been to blame, but I mean, you're not going to hear the defense sort of um, point fingers. That's just not how this team has been built. And then that's not how this locker room is. Um, and so I-, I think it's the right answer. And in terms of when he should hand over it, I mean, I, don't, I just don't think that's, I mean, you know, they went to the Super Bowl last year. I don't think that's in the cards. I, I think he's more, uh, out front with the play calling, then you know he led it. I mean, there's collaboration, but he's the guy. And I mean, I don't know. The, the, you know, it's five games, and they're they're the super. I mean, this happens to Super Bowl teams. You get the best, and you, you struggle the next year. I mean, it's not unheard of, and. Um, and there has been some individual struggles. I think the offensive line has struggled, and, um, you know, I think the running game is, is sort of an example of where players individually haven't been as effective necessarily as they were last year. So I think there's there's areas in both, you know, spots that need improving. You know, the play calling wasn't great against the Ravens, and it has been a great at, in certain spots, but, um, you know, I think Zach's mostly been willing to sort of uh, – Take that criticism, and, and when it's valid, say that I've made a mistake.
2: All right, go ahead. So, um, take off, Andrew.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so to me, this feels very fan-driven narrative to me because, like, and and I'm look, I'm I, I want to say this right now. Like, do I think the play calling has been great? No. Do I think that there were moments where the play calling has been straight up horrible? Yeah. I thought that the goal line sequence was bad. Um, I, you know, and it's funny because I think I wouldn't like if they had run like that first down play. Let, let's just go back to the goal line sequence. That first down play, the pass to Hayden Hurst. I like that play because so many coaches kind of get in this mindset of we we need two yards. We're just gonna we're just gonna put uh, everybody on the line of scrimmage, twenty two man pushing contest. That's not what like I, I like the play to, to to pass it on first down.
2: But the Philly
1: special on second down, the shovel pass on fourth down—those are not plays that you need to call inside the two-yard line. Granted, like I I thought it was horrible, but there, it feels like there's a lot of people on Twitter, um, which is like where you hear, where you get all of your your fan insight, the Twitter, social media, all that kind of stuff, and people just seem so fired up about ripping the play calling away from Zach Taylor. And, like, the what, realistically, what do people think would change? Like, Brian Callahan is not going to run out there and be like, okay, guys, this is my show now. We're running the air raid. Guess who hired Brian Callahan? Zach Taylor. Do you think that they might have a few similar ideas on how to run an NFL offense? Maybe. I don't know. Who's to say? Do we think that Brian Callahan, who has never called plays in his coaching career in the NFL, do we think he's going to show up and immediately, just have different variations and different things, and he's going to be scheming players up. And all of a sudden, there's going to be all these articles written about this new wonder kid. Like, no, like, look, do I think Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor are smart offensive minds? Yeah, but do I think that there's you know, there like there's some o- like ocean of change waiting to be had? No, this to me, this feels like a the offense is not performing at a level that it needs to be. But I think you have to blame the play calling just as much as you have to blame the execution because it is not Zach Taylor's fault or Brian Callahan's fault that for like, for example, back in Dallas, that Lael Collins doesn't pick up Micah Parsons on the blitz. Like you can blame coaching, but it, it like if you really, really wanted to go for it, but you can't blame play calling. You can't like you can blame play calling for okay, they need to take more deep shots, but you can't blame play calling for the offensive line not blocking correctly or not blocking well enough on those run plays or Joe Mixon not running well enough on those run plays. Like, the, it, it's it's execution and it's play calling. And I just think that when you make a play caller change, that to, it doesn't reek of desperation, but it reeks of, okay, something's got to change and we don't really know what to do here. Because if you make a play caller change to Brian Callahan right now, what does that tell you? That tells me that they're kind of running out of ideas and they've got to handle other things. And Zach Taylor is looking at the rest of the roster going, I've got to handle other things. And the defense is doing great. The, I I don't have a problem with the defense. I don't have a problem with the uh, like the game management type stuff, challenges, clock management, stuff like that. So what exactly like are you telling Zach Taylor to go do instead of call plays? I, I just think that, and I'll finish this here, I don't think that they're... Is a reasonable answer for people because it's frustrating watching an offense that was so good struggle like this. But I just don't know what the what like what possibly is there to gain. I have no idea.
0: Well, but there's not many people you could. I mean, you're not going to throw Joe Burrow out. That's the problem, right? Like they've got the young offense, right? Except for the offensive line. Uh, you know, the, the the key core players are essentially Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. Um, and so Joe Mixon. Yeah, I mean, but to, to, to a degree, but I mean, those three are your, your foundation, right? So, like, you know, when you're only averaging 21 points a game, who gets blamed? I mean, it's, it's the guy that's calling the plays. I think it's fair. I think fans are worried that last year was sort of like a one-hit wonder, that, um, you know, the, the team struggled for in, in his first two years, and obviously the injury to Joe didn't helped. But, um, you know, you are worried about that, and the numbers aren't good this year. So, I mean, I, I think criticism is warranted, and, and he's and – he's, you know, walked into some of that with some wonky play calling. And, um, you know, you you always want – the guy's going to get blamed. I mean, you know, asking for him to, like, just leave town and just give it up. I mean, that, that's obviously an extreme, I, 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 I extreme answer. Understand. But at the same time, I mean, you know, they've got to be better because if they, don't, <laughs> if they don't fix things in a hurry, they're going to be on the outside looking into the playoffs. I mean, this is the – you know, they you losing winnable games is a way to get in trouble in the NFL.
2: And I will say, too, you know, I'm so glad, Andrew, you mentioned that because I'm thinking what you're thinking. I don't address that to say, oh, yeah, take the headset away from Taylor, give it to Callahan. No, I say that because fans keep asking, oh, why is he so bad? So I'm like, Andrew, you know, why do you or I guess what do you do at that point? And I agree with you. Like, OK, take the headset away from Taylor. Take it away from Callahan or vice versa. OK, even if you throw Zach Taylor on the street and make him serve Skyline chilly in the concession stance, then what are you going to do? Like, I understand it's frustrating. I understand it's not good to see a team that was this good. And I think, like I said before, like, has the best talent, at least offensively, on paper in the division. It sucks. But, like, I would, I just say to these people, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to put the headset on? Like, do you want to hire another coach? Like, people are saying, oh, fire Zach Taylor. Why would you fire somebody who just took you to the Super Bowl? And Brian Callahan is just as smart. I mean, even Zach Taylor said, my coaches are just as smart as me, if not smarter. I mean, Callahan was part of the brains behind that offense that won Denver a Super Bowl in Peyton Manning's last season. Like, the guy gets it. They get it. They're not perfect. We understand that. But I think we need to really temper the expectations versus reality of just what fans are seeing. I understand things have to change, but let's also be pragmatic with it at the same time. And that's not a knock on the fans. The criticism is warranted But, like, let's just find that fine line of Zach Taylor is a great coach. Brian Callahan is just as good, if not better. But things can and hopefully should change. You know, we said earlier there's not that one thing they constantly do, but there are progressions. Uh, Joe Mixon is progressing. I mean, the Joe Burrow who threw five picks in that first game really is progressing. Even though he's not throwing as far downfield, I understand a lot of that is because there's no T Higgins and that could change over time. But it's important to address that narrative because, like, if you want to just fire Zach Taylor, then what do you do? Like, at that point, you're, you're not going to, you're just going to drop something completely new, and then you're just creating more problems than what you already have.
1: Yeah. The, I'm not going to go long here, but the Rams hung a Super Bowl banner one month ago. And there are people losing their minds in Los Angeles about Sean McVay right now, talking about how he's lost it, about how the offense doesn't have it anymore. They beat them. They want banners hang forever. And people are already, people are ready to go after Sean McVay. So this is just to me, it's like, I'm not saying this is strictly a fan narrative because I think that the play calling has something, you know, there's something left to be desired there, but you know, it is a, what have you done for me lately type of world. And, Uh, I think that that's just kind of where we're at right now.
2: It's all just instant gratification, which I think that's just the world we live in. But no, uh, that is certainly the best way to sum that up. But to sum this all up, I think we need to address the most pressing, most hot take that I think we should have addressed earlier. If you are eating beignets from Cafe De Monde in New Orleans, do you dunk them in hot chocolate or not? I say yes because I've done it. It is the best thing ever. I have had a sugar high from that that I've never had before, even from eating the best ice cream. Like, I don't think that tops it. Like, you want to talk about a sugar high, Café de Monde beignets dipped in hot chocolate. Gentlemen, what do you think? I I don't know. Uh, never, first never off, had I, don't, I don't
1: need... No, uh, I don't need any more pastries, and I don't need any more chocolate in my well, body. Well, that, that's not um, a good answer
0: because you got to go. You got if you're in New Orleans, you got to try it. I just thank think you. That's, we we will. But, I'm going to need
1: your help then. Apparently,
0: but I do. I think you do. <laughs> but that's disgusting because, like, I don't like <laughs> that, Like you're just making it soggy, grossness. Like you uh, you want texture <laughs> I don't want like just just mush.
2: I don't care about texture. I care about flavor. So oh, you I'm take, not.
0: You can eat the bite and then take a sip, and it does the same thing. But then your food's food.
2: But but no, it's like I mean I, I, I guess then you your could food maybe, is food. Like we could you, you could do like a specific like taste taste bud breakdown. But like yes, it is soggy. I'm not arguing that. But the flavor, the vanilla, the powdered sugar—like when it touches that hot chocolate, it's just like. It's it's a kiss that you can never undo. It's just so beautiful, man. Like that's real love right there. Uh, I got. I, I'm, I'm way too I, out of I myself, guys.
1: Having <laughs> not having not having having been a rookie in this field, I'm kind of siding with Mike here. I think I, I just that that
2: sounds like a lot. Gosh, I think I'm way more excited about the New Orleans food than you are. But hey, hey, to each their I'm own. I'm excited about
0: New Orleans food. I'm just not dipping it in liquid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going to convert you soon. I'm the people listening. I'm just letting you all know these guys will know what I'm talking about. Very, very soon when we go down to the big easy, but man, that is, I feel sorry for you guys, but Hey, you'll, you'll come to the other side soon. And folks, again, before we wrap up uh, again, just to bring it up again, in case you missed it earlier, again, if you want exclusive insights and bonus content on the Bengals every day from the largest group of journalists, AKA me and the cool kids on the block, Mike and Andrew, you want to join Cincinnati Football Insider, you'll get access to subscriber-only podcasts, photo galleries, and more. And if you become an insider, you get multiple texts a day from us. Ask us all the questions you have. And for that, it's only four ninety nine a month. You won't be charged until the end of a 14-day trial. You just join by going to cleveland.com slash bangles. There you click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Or if it's easier, send a text to this number, 513 949 So be cool and sign up. Once again, we appreciate you all joining us. Next up on the podcast, we'll talk more about the Saints offense and how this tough Cincinnati defense has to stay hot in order to keep pace with them. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nisling, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Thank you all for joining us. See you back here tomorrow.